Hello, gang. How are you? What day is it today? I don't even know. I mean, I know it's Wednesday, but it is April 29th. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. This is the Promotional Law Practice live chat here on April 29th of 2015. Um, pretty obvious what we're going to talk about today, isn't it? John Jones. Um, wow. What do you say about this character, huh? Well, whatever it is we're going to say, we're going to say it today. Uh, so we'll talk about John Jones. Um, he is actually part of the issue as well. Uh, let's see. I'm just make sure everything looks good. Um, let's talk about Mayweather Pacquiao. As you can see, you can't see really in my hotel room that well. You can kind of see. Nah, not really. Uh, I'm here in the Mandalay Bay in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Actually, as soon as this chat is over, I'm headed to the MGM Grand to go cover the Mayweather Pacquiao presser. So um, expect some interviews from that, hopefully. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, and a, a bunch of other stuff. It's a big day in the... I don't know, the history of this chat, because there's so much to get to. I won't waste any more time. You guys know the drill. The comments on MMA fighting, where this window is embedded, the ones that turn green, uh, they get the most coverage or the most attention um, and uh, and whatnot. Let's see. I just want to make sure this is up and running. Everything look good? I think so. Uh, all right. So without further ado, if you would give this video a thumbs up, and uh, if you would be so happy to share it whenever you see me give you this message, get out there, put it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any kind of social media, email it to a friend, whatever. Now, without further ado, let's get this going. All right, first question, I'm pretty sure where this is gonna be headed, so let's just get into it. Okay, here we go. Are you surprised slash impressed with the UFC's decision to strip Jones? Talk about a tough call to make. Yeah, not just tough, historic, right? Historic. Um, no fighter has ever been stripped for disciplinary, uh, you know, uh, procedures unrelated to uh, fighting. You know, PED use, sure. Um, the unfortunate situation surrounding Dominic Cruz, sure. Contractual disputes, sure. But not for someone who got in a hit and run, allegedly. And then left the scene allegedly. Um, this is, uh, you know, this is totally different. This is completely unique. I am still trying to process it. I think just like you, I'm still trying to make sense of it all. I think, look, I, I, I'm a little bit conflicted about it. If I'm being honest, um, I'm not saying the UFC is wrong because I don't have feelings strong enough to say that they're wrong. And and part of me thinks that like what they did was right. You know, um, look, here's where I have concerns. I don't know where they get the statutory authority to do basically anything that they do related to punishment for an independent contractor who has exclusive terms, right? You're going to suspend him, not so much stripping of the title necessarily, but the indefinite suspension. I mean, you know, I'm not saying Jones will challenge that in court, but, you know, I this is vastly harsher than what uh, I think many other leagues would do. Um, and, and if that were the case, you see NFL players, you know, repeatedly going through arbitration to get punishments handed down by Goodell or... Uh, whatever the case may be, overturned or some ways um, supplanted by a lesser punishment. So this is certainly heavy-handed relative to that. Um, and so I think that's where I have some concerns. And maybe you don't share those concerns, and I think that's you know uh, understandable. I think it's a new sport, and people aren't used to the idea of this sort of thing. But um, on the good side of things, you know, you just have to wonder if UFC doesn't crack down on Jones, who would in his life? You know, uh, I'm not saying his parents uh, are somehow absentee. I don't think that's the case. But 
you know, when you're a grown man, you're 27 years old, there's just a limited amount that they can reasonably do. Um, and I'm sure his brothers care for him deeply, but again, just realistically speaking, there's a very limited amount of things that they can do. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know to what extent he's surrounded by yes men. I've certainly seen his entourage. There's probably a couple in there, which is, which is inevitable for anyone of his stature. But um, short of the UFC doing this, if they well, ask yourself this, if they hadn't done it, what would Jones do about it? Right? And my guess is he, he'd find one and he would get these charges pled down to a misdemeanor, pay the lady whose arm is broken uh, damages, and then go on about his career, probably without much concern for what it all means. Um, I understand the UFC has to protect their brand. I understand Reebok has to protect their brand. So in some ways, I feel like this is certainly heavy handed and relative to their status as an independent contractor, which I realize is not on the front of the minds of most fans. I get it. it's okay. I'm not here to make it. I'm not here to die on the hill of that argument, um, but I do think it's not something we can just easily forget. But all, all, all that being said, um, if the UFC didn't do this, there's just no reason to believe he'd ever change anything. And quite frankly, if even with doing this, you still don't have any reason to believe that he'll do anything differently. Now, this is different than when he had the DUI and he crashed the Bentley and everything else, right? Um, he was, I went back and read his, his messages um, that he put out to the public after that had happened. And if you recall, remember his sort of first public statement about it, um, his team put out a statement, but Jones's first statement came on Facebook. Remember that? He got on Facebook and he talked about all the people hating on him and how everyone was against him. And then sort of later in the post apologized for things. He has not done that this time. He's been a little bit more uh, quiet quieter anyway, um, and has not seemed to lash out at his critics. Also, this time, or last time anyway, he didn't get his title yanked from him or um, suspended indefinitely. Now, in the end, how much will he be suspended? I suspect probably no more than six months, but, um, but still, it's a fairly long time. I guess what I'm just saying is, in practical terms, and we can talk about the legality of independent contractor versus employee at a different time, because I think it's a relevant conversation, but maybe not for this purpose right now. But realistically speaking, um, if they don't do this to him, both to protect themselves and to send a message, I don't know what else in his life would. Because up to the status quo, if there were influences, and I'm sure well-intentioned, um, who were trying to guide him, I know Brandon Gibson seems like the most stand-up dude on earth, but you know, your reach over these powerful figures, even if you're close to them, can be very, very little. Um, and that just seems like the case here. And so without this, I really don't know. Well, I don't, again, th and this may not work. Like this may not work. Just keep that in mind. Like people are saying, you know, oh, this, you know, this is a bit of a wake up call. Is it? We're going to find out because I don't know that it is. Um, and in the end, you know, wake up call means different things to different people, right? I mean, a thousand lawyers will take issue with this. I suspect that he won't do a bit of jail time and that he'll plead down to misdemeanors. I, I don't I don't think it'll be much more complicated than that. Um, but so, you know, this is not I don't think this is the same thing as Ray Rice punching his wife in an elevator, although it's pretty bad. Um, I don't think it's on the same level as uh, or fiance or girlfriend, whatever the, she was at the time. Uh, 
I don't put those two on par. But let me actually speak to what he did, which is not addressed here. Let me speak to what he did. Uh, it's appalling. It's utterly appalling. Like two different ways I think this should be viewed, right? If you're the woman who was pregnant, and I don't know the circumstances if she was alone in the car or if there was another passenger and who was behind the wheel or whatever the case may be. But imagine if that was your girlfriend or wife or sister or whatever the case. And you were expecting a child and a person hit your car, broke your arm. Babies are ultimately expected to be uh, fine absent this circumstance. But just imagine the worry and concern and anger and fear and um, uncertainty you would be having to live with. And then to know that allegedly this person hit you and or hit this person you care about and the person carrying another, potentially another human being here, uh, and then they came back allegedly for cash and then ran again. Uh, that is a stunning, stunning level of disregard. Um, and so I think on one level, you can look at it like that and just be like, what have you done? What have you done? Right? Again, you didn't go out there and, and you know, punch someone in the face, uh, you know, commit domestic violence outright. Um, but so I don't put it on the same level as that. It's it, the accident for all intents and purposes was unintentional. I don't think he mean to hit this person in that way. So I don't think that the two are quite equivalent. But but to me, leaving the scene for panic or whatever the reasons may be, partly understandable on some level, I suppose. But then the coming back and then the leaving, again, allegedly, if that's what happened, uh, that to me is like, <laughs> okay. And here's sort of the other part about it. Imagine um, if your friend was doing this. Now, I don't mean having the career, but just look at the, the, the record of John Jones. Because if you watch this chat and if you watched me talk about Jones for years, I have certainly been unable to push myself to righteous indignation about what he's done um, because I simply know people who are productive members of society who have had these kinds of problems in their life and have completely turned it around and made good and pay their taxes and stay out of trouble and don't harm anybody. Uh, and they had to learn lessons the hard way. Good people still have to learn lessons the hard way. I think you need to remember that. And I don't know who John Jones is. And frankly, neither do you. None of us really know. We're not close enough to really know. Um, we can only judge his actions from afar. And that's an incomplete picture to say the least. But what I would say was if John Jones was your friend, and I'm not talking about the John Jones, but just a John Jones who didn't have the multi-million dollar career, but just had this, these criminal issues that he had to deal with the drunk driving and, and, the uh, I don't, again, I don't know if it's substance abuse issues, but if you've got drunk driving issues, um, and then you got a hit and run issues and then you're using cocaine and allegedly marijuana, um, it's just, it's just, what would you say about a person like that? Right? That was your friend. You'd be like, dude, you are effing up. That's what you would say, right? That was your best friend. Wouldn't you have that conversation with him? You'd be like, look, man, I don't care if you want to smoke weed. And really, you know, you, what you do in your private life is your private life. And I maintain that same with the Coke, you know, but there's, there's just too many things up to this point to say, you know, I can forgive uh, and and I don't think the cocaine use is really relevant to my life. I don't really have a comment about it, and even more so for marijuana use. Um, less so about the DUI. Obviously, that could be problematic. Both he could hurt himself and someone else, um, and there was destruction of property. So there's that. But I think you know what I would say is I've known people who've gotten DUIs, and I do not condone it in any way, shape, or form. But I'm not really ready to dissolve all the relationships in my life because people made some mistakes um, relative to that that act. Right. So it's it's understandable in, in the way that it's commonplace. 
uh, unfortunately. But I, I'm not going to just say, well, can't be my friend anymore. I wouldn't do that. But when this now happens, when you have all that happening, all that previous stuff, I can forgive, I can understand, I can make sense of it. And then this happens. You know, you're almost 30. You are way closer to 30 than you are 20. Um, and you are allegedly involved in a hit and run where you allegedly hit a pregnant woman with a rental car. And then you allegedly ran from the scene only to allegedly come back and grab cash and then allegedly leave again, leaving documents that attach it to the vehicle and uh, drug paraphernalia. It is, <laughs> I mean, unforgiving would be a strong word. I don't think that's the case. You can, even someone like me, who is trying to understand the mistakes that young people make in their life and trying to be sympathetic and to an extent empathetic, um, you know, this is, this is that point where I can't go past anymore. You know, again, I, I think if you can turn things around, you know, all this will be forgotten and he will look at this like um, as he should as a as a moment that was a bit of a turning point, maybe uh, in a good way. But this is just not something that when you look at the totality of what has happened, not just in this situation, but in his 20s, where you can say, uh, I can look the other way, man, because you simply cannot. You simply cannot. It is just beyond the pale. Uh, allegedly. Now, he has not been convicted of anything. Uh, let's let's note that if evidence comes to the forefront that this is all some great misunderstanding, then fine. It will be that way. Um, but it seems like he is in a bit of a pickle and bit of hot water if it is all true. And if it is all true, it is deeply problematic. It is deeply problematic because it appears to be that he has uh, either no interest or no ability at this present moment to recognize the stakes involved here, both for himself and for others. The problem with what he is doing with these various things is not that they're outlandishly criminal. It's that they are uh, bad enough to potentially be worse if luck just switches a little bit. Um, and also that they're just so unnecessarily deeply damaging. Like all you had to do if you had hit that woman provided there wasn't any other circumstance that we need to know about, was to simply wait for the cops to show up and this would be sort of treated as a routine accident. But then you compounded it by allegedly running from the scene and then allegedly returning and then allegedly leaving again. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable, right? If that were your friend, you'd be like, what on earth are you doing? You just can't do things like this. And then if that was your friend doing that, and then they had a multi-million dollar career where they have lost not one, but now two first-rate apparel sponsorships. I mean, this is, you know, there's just no rational basis upon which to understand this. There's just not. There's no rational basis by which you can explain this. I can explain individual pieces, but once this happens, again, it's all alleged, but once this happens and once you put it all together, this is just unbelievably poor decision-making by him, right? And who's going to suffer the consequences? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this woman broke her arm, you know, so I, I think in the end she'll probably be fine. Um, right now, it seems like Jones is suffering the most consequences, but uh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing in all the wrong ways. So I don't think this is the end of the world. Um, but when you just look at someone who has the world at their fingertips, 
um, and they're acting like this and understanding that they can make some mistakes in their life. This is just that one where you're like, dude, I just can't back you on this one. I just can't. I just can't. You know, there's just it's just not possible. There's just no there's just no rash. If that I mean, you know, if you if you've got a girlfriend and or a wife or a sister who's ever been pregnant, you know, uh, your life changes in an instant. You know, you, you so there's a certain biology that kicks in. Um, and a certain way you change your life for the most part anyway. Um, and to know that, that person may have been involved in an accident by someone and who knows what their state was at the time and then left and then came back to get, I mean, so look, I'm not here to, to, um, say this is the, you know, the worst thing in the world. I am not here to say that he is beyond redemption. I, I, I certainly don't think that's the case, nor do I think that legally this is going to be some sort of, um, uh, moment where, um, you know, he really has to face the possibility of jail. I don't think this is Plaxico Burris, you know, letting a gun off or, you know, um, um, drunk driving and killing somebody. This is not on that level by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, it's just that moment where it's like, what's it going to be, man? What's it going to be? You know, is it going to be more of this or, or, or not? Right. And I mentioned before, John Jones doesn't owe you anything doesn't owe me anything he doesn't owe any of us nothing nothing and you need to accept that too people are like oh, john has to show us this and john has to show us that no he doesn't he doesn't have to show you anything right you, you are not entitled to jack s and neither am i but the question is not whether he owes us something the question is what kind of life does he want to lead Cleaning ladies here out here getting busy what kind of career does he want to have and what's going to happen to him? You know, it's not about you or me. Uh, it's about him and the people he directly affects. And and those are the only questions that matter here. So we'll see what he does. But you know, this is just stunning, stunning, just disregard, uh, allegedly. All right. Let's see here. Let's see. Yeah. All right. I'm happy to put this one to bed as well. Luke, first of all, uh, I'd like to say I agree with your position that uh, unforgiving attitudes of MMA fans toward John Jones are partly due to racism. However, I would like to ask why you bring this element up of race so often. I have been an avid listener of your live chat since the days of the Ustream, and it seems to me like you go to extraordinary lengths. Um, let's see. Sorry, just spam filling up. Uh, to bring up racism when discussing Jones, several other personalities in the MMA sphere whom I respect and don't believe to be racist, say Joe Rogan or Ben Folks, have brought it up on occasion, but it seems like you cannot bring up John Jones without mentioning racism in the same sense. So the question is why? All right, I'm happy to put this argument to bed because I really, I think I've made a mistake, not in what I've argued, but the way in which I positioned it. So look, here's what I've basically said, I think from all along. Um, it's, I somehow got attached to the issue uh, maybe I've brought it up more than others, but what I would what I would say is the way in which I've brought it up has made me attached to the issue. I don't think it's the number of times, because yes, I have to respond to things, and I'm going to respond to things. But like, trust me when I tell you, I'm happy to not talk about this because here's the truth about John: he has done enough at this point to give anyone pause for concern, to put it euphemistically. Um, there's no doubt about that. But prior to this incident, 
again, I wasn't here to tell you that everything he'd done was super awesome and totally okay, just that it wasn't uniquely distinguishable from people I know in their 20s who managed to completely turn it around and be great people and responsible parents and productive members of society. It's just not the case. You can't say otherwise. And I'm sorry, if you think that's, you're living in a, a different world. Um, and so what I believe is that some of the outsized reactions to him uh, were partly a function of race. And here is basically my central argument for it, and I'm happy to move on and never make the case again. Again, if someone said to me, I can find any number of reasons to dislike John Jones that have nothing to do with race, I would certainly tell you that seems absolutely plausible. And if someone were to come to me and say, um, you know, Luke, um, if I didn't know the race of this person, and someone said, here's what X person has done, this, 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 would you find this person likable? And someone said, no, I would find this absolutely reasonable, just no doubt about it. But I also find that the argument that race plays zero part in the calculations of how Jones is perceived, I find that to be utterly divorced from reality. Utterly divorced from reality. You are not going to tell me in 2015 in America where we have a deeply unequal society, deeply unequal, that African-Americans by stature or by wealth are somehow able to outgrow racism, right? And I'm not talking about, you know, grand wizard racism, subtle forms of discrimination, often sometimes subconsciously. And you, maybe you don't think these things exist, and if you don't find them, I, I, you're not, I, I can't talk to you. But if you think that someone who is African-American and rich and someone who is African-American and popular somehow is able to outgrow the idea or the, or the constraints of racism, I just don't know what to tell you because it's ludicrous. You do not outgrow that. Maybe you mitigate it. Maybe it's felt less. Certainly John Jones has a number of character flaws that make him a questionable uh, character at this point in, in his, the development of his life. Um, all those things can be true. And it is also true that as a component, maybe not the top, maybe closer to the bottom, maybe somewhere in the middle, we can debate about where it belongs. But I am not going to sit here and say that the outsized reactions to the the, the, his, the histrionics that we see relative to him have zero, none, absolutely, virtually, like race is in no way involved. This is just not a statement that a rational person can make. It's just not. It's not the way life works. And you can say, but I like other black people. Well, gee, I hope. That doesn't disprove the argument. If you sit here and say, well, I hate John Jones, but I like Daniel Cormier, that's awesome, I guess, for you. That in no way addresses what I am saying here. In no way addresses what I am saying here. You, you, we live in a world, whether you like it or not, where where, where minorities and particularly African Americans are uh, face unbelievable levels of discrimination or subtle forms of discrimination, regardless of their place in society. And that's just a fact. And I'm not. If you want to debate that, or you think that's up for debate then fine, turn off this chat and do whatever you want and you could bash me on 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 any place you would like. But I'm still, I am I am just not willing to entertain the idea that despite the many flaws that Jones has and the fact that you personally watching this may say, well, okay, Luke, but sure, I, I, you know, I, I just don't dislike, I, I dislike John for just these reasons. I can believe that. I can believe that for the most part or to some extent anyway. But I just am not willing to accept the idea that a uh, young, rich, talented, flawed African-American guy um, who is a world beater and, in a, and the fight game, which is built on racial dynamics, I'm sorry that it is. It just always has been. 
is somehow free from the strictures of um, you know uh, racial cues and and forms of um, judgment unrelated to, to race. I just think that's so utterly ridiculous and so utterly non-existent. So if you don't like them because it has just a character issue, cool, man. We, I don't have a problem with that. And if you want to say race is at the back of the list, we can have a debate about that. All the all the other issues up front, fine. I'm just tolerate the idea that race has nothing to do with it because that is so ludicrous and so ridiculous that it just doesn't deserve any further comment. Okay, so that's the last I like to say about it. If we just want to talk about Jones's um, issues about what he's done in public, it's fine. I don't have to discuss the race anymore. I think my point is is, is well articulated at this point, whether you agree with it or not, and we can just leave it at that. But you know, this, this whole idea that I was like, if you think John Jones, if you dislike John Jones, it's because you're a racist. I'm like, I, I've, that is such a cartoonish, uh, anti-intellectual version of the truth that I don't even know what to think about you if you say something like that. It's not at all the argument, okay? So just drop it. If you don't agree, fine. I, I, I'm not here to debate what I am, am quite certain is the reality that we all live in. All right. How do you see DC versus Rumble fight playing out? I personally think DC puts the pace and pressure on Rumble, uh, gassing him out, and DC chokes him out in the later rounds. What do you think? Sounds just like the, uh, from your version, uh, version just like the uh, Koscheck fight to some extent. And then he follows up by saying, by the way, dare I say it, DC versus Rumble more intriguing than Jones Rumble. His words, not mine. Definitely a much closer fight on paper. And in the opening odds, Cormier was at 1.5 to 1, minus 150, favorite over Johnson at 136, uh, plus 136. Money quickly came in on Johnson, who was slightly smaller, 127 underdog by early this morning. Um, I love this fight. I, you know, again, a substitute is never going to be better than the real thing. But I love this fight. I do. Uh, and I, I here's what I would say. If you think Anthony Johnson is going to win, look at these odds. Who's going to sit here and say that's some ludicrous idea? Look at what Anthony Johnson's been doing. Great takedown defense. Good movement. Unbelievable crippling power. Right? There's any number. And, and, and then not just on that. Like, no one talks about the accuracy of his strikes. They're super accurate. Right? So there's all these reasons to think he can win. But here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. In watching tape before the Gustafson fight, I was trying to think to myself, what is Gustafson going to do with this guy? Like, how could he beat him? And I thought there was you know, a number of different ways. But what I wanted to do was, let me go back and see every time Anthony Johnson was taken down in the UFC, how was he taken down? I don't think this is every time, but it was like overwhelming majority of times. And there's not many, but maybe like with a, maybe with an exception here or there. It's all from uh, the clinch. Double unders in the clinch. That's how he, that's how people get him. If you shoot on his hips, good luck. <laughs> You're gonna need it. Uh, if you try and and or even from the even from the clinch, if you try just rushing and punching your way in, he's gonna do kind of what OSP did to Cummins. Put the uh, forearm on the front of the collarbone, measure you, and then crack you. Right. That's what's gonna. You're gonna get. You're gonna get cracked. His hand speed is incredible, and his power speaks for itself. Okay. Uh, but if we're just looking honestly at how he was taken down, it's when he surrenders double underhooks. That's, that's how he does it. Now getting to there, easier said than done. I'm just trying to tell you that's how it's happened. So the question you have to ask yourself is, does Daniel Cormier really stand a chance striking with Johnson on the outside? 
maybe you can surprise us, but that doesn't seem like the most likely of options. Uh, if you're betting on, or if you're thinking just how can Daniel Cormier win, my guess is getting away to the clinch and from the clinch dominating the space. And that to me also seems very possible. This is a fantastic fight. This is a fantastic fight, man, because it's, it's, you know where the fight hinges on, but you just don't know who's going to surrender that territory. Moreover, that was the old UFC before he, uh, Johnson, fixed himself. Maybe he doesn't have the clinch issues anymore. Maybe it's almost impossible to get in on him now. We don't know. We just don't know. We're going to find out, right? That, that to me seems pretty awesome. But um, listen, is this the same thing as Johnson versus Jones? You know, no, it's not. Uh, and, and okay, fine. But this is a hell of a fight. This is a hell of a scrap. It's a moment of opportunity for uh, more so, I think, for Cormier than it is for Jones, or excuse me, for uh, Johnson. And uh, I love it. I really love it. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I mean, if this is your substitute fight, because if, if they had just announced, I mean, if John Jones didn't exist or something, and they had announced this fight, you'd be like, this fight rocks, man. This is your substitute fight. So if, if, a, level, if a fight this good is your substitute, man, you're doing something right. Uh, Manny by decision. Um, why does it seem so impossible to many fans that Manny can't outpoint Floyd? If Maidana won somewhere between three and six rounds against Mayweather, why couldn't Manny win? Seven. Well, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but here's, I think, what most folks do not understand about Floyd Mayweather. Floyd, when he gives his interviews about what he's going to do, and if you might hear cleaning ladies, I apologize. I'm in my hotel room, for crying out loud. But if you hear uh, if you hear Mayweather uh, say that, hey, this is what I'm going to do, he's actually speaking pretty candidly. And when he talks about it, like he, I'm sure he has a, a few positions in mind and a few sequences in mind and a few counterattacks in mind because that's sort of who he is. And I'm sure he's drilled um, specifically for different scenarios, right? But he often mentions something that I think gets overlooked or just not given the proper treatment that it deserves, namely. When he says, "I'm just whatever. I don't. I don't. I don't care what they're going to do. I'm just going to take it away from him." There is nobody better in all of combat sports. Now he has more opportunity because of the length of the rounds, uh, and the number of rounds, I should say, right? Because you got 12 rounds. But here's my point: he makes adjustments both in the middle of a round, but more in particular in um, between rounds than anyone in the game. Anyone. Anyone. If if what. If you win the first six rounds, whatever you were using to win the first six rounds won't exist in seven plus. It just won't be there. He won't give it to you. Um, that's that's not just me speculating. That's that's what's happened every time. He figures out whatever you're going to do. So people get this mistaken impression because he may surrender the first couple of rounds or around here or around there, and folks might be thinking, oh, man, this is pretty competitive. It's not really competitive. He's just sort of figuring out what you're going to do, and then he moves around it. He just figures out a way to let, take it away from you, whether that be uh, an ability to cut off the ring and corner him in a certain position, like Madonna was trying to do to an extent Coda was trying to do, whether it be a certain punching sequence, whether it be uh, openings you leave by looking for a certain punching sequence, whether it be angles you give um, by looking for a particular punch that you think is vulnerable to, whether that includes different foot positioning that allow you to even get off on the attack place. All these things he will take away from you. So when you're watching this fight, if if the rounds are going back and forth, that to me is not an indication really of anything. What I'm looking for, and I mentioned this when he fought Canelo too, 
what I am looking for is not whether Manny can win the first couple of rounds or four or five rounds, whatever the case may be. What I'm looking for is whether or not he can hurt Mayweather. Because if Mayweather is uh, is not hurt, he is not going to put it this way. If you hurt Mayweather, there's a different kind of calculation he'll make about his decisions. He is notoriously risk averse. Um, and if you can hurt him, he will try to entangle you or cover up in a way that is a little more defensive. That will enable someone like Pacquiao who has, you know, I don't think, a, um, who has a high volume of, of output uh, to have some success. Um, but he'll need to also create distance. And I don't think he's going to, and you mentioned Maidana. Maidana did a lot of the crowding. I just don't think that Pacquiao's going to fight that way. Pacquiao's going to fight him at angles and range, two different kinds of styles of fighting. Um, you know, Pacquiao is just not the kind of, I mean, he will fight in the phone booth at times, uh, and he will corner people at times. He did it a little bit. Um, um, no, not really. There's not, there's just not that, he's just not that kind of guy, you know? Um, and he's happy to move around too. Look when Margarito tried to pressure him. He was always on the move, always on the move. And then just opening up when Margarito uh, had a chance and was just bludgeoning that eye. So, um, so no, I, I, it's not whether Manny can take a round, lose a round, take a round, lose a round early. It's can he hurt him to change the way in which Mayweather makes decisions. Because if he can, then he can delay the real adjustments that ultimately nullify his offense. That's what I'm looking for. Luke, what do you make of Dana White being an analyst for ESPN? How many F-bombs can and will he drop? Someone says Yahoo, not ESPN. I didn't know anything about it, to be honest. I didn't know anything about it. All right, Floyd Mayweather and domestic violence. Over the past couple of days, we've seen MMA fans and media absolutely bury John Jones. While I believe he screwed up, I feel John's mistakes have been the product of extremely poor judgment and immaturity, not out of malice. Mayweather, on the other hand, has been receiving a ton of press for the fight this weekend, and very little attention is being paid to his disturbing past of domestic violence. Seven allegations from five separate women, and when he is asked about this, he either shamelessly shills his upcoming pay-per-view or makes a sort of callous remark about how it's all allegations and hearsay. There's been a small contingent of media that have brought up brought it up Deadspin, ESPN, outside the lines. Also, Grantland wrote a piece about it. Business Insider wrote a piece about it. Kevin Ioli. Kevin Ioli wrote an awesome piece about it. If you haven't read it, check that. By the way, if you don't like... I don't know what fans have as, uh, as an impression of Kevin Ioli from MMA only, but you don't really get to know Kevin Ioli until you see him in a boxing world. That dude is the commander in chief, son. He go, he is the front of the line. Uh, Helen Thomas, first question every time, man. That dude is a champ. So like for him to be as like if you just knew him from 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 MMA, he'd be super successful. But we see boxing. Man, it's a whole different it's a whole different ball game. Anyway, he wrote an incredible article about it. Um, talk to um, Iron Mike Gallego. It's uh, uh, Daniel Roberts um, about his yeah, and Gloria Allred, the attorney for the uh, the latest uh, the woman who's now suing uh, Floyd. That's uh, an ongoing lawsuit. Long story short, I'm, I'm meandering. Um, he had a piece on there, so I would. I agree that there is way more attention being paid to the fight than there is a domestic violence issues. Um, it, whereas John Jones is just getting absolutely crushed by the media. Um, here's what I would say. Um, Floyd is such an enormous figure that it's not just that that in and of itself insulates him to an extent from criticism. It's that 
it's he is i was watching his um grand arrival yesterday at the mgm and i was just watching what happened and i was just thinking to myself this guy is just like every day is his own fantasy world like any day he can get up and basically has the money to that's exactly but to create this environment where everything is about his own hagiography like it's a it's like it's like it's a it's a hagiography in real time that's what his life is you know and when you get to that level and like for example when you get your court case delayed you know or not your court case i'm sorry your your uh your jail time pushed back so you can fight because it will bring money to the city you are at a level of impact in the world where people's calculations about you change you are almost too big to fail that's how big mayweather is i'm not saying he's that big yet but you know he he is about as close to that in, in in combat sports and so because of that because there's so much money there and so much power concentrated uh with him and around him that bringing up domestic violence just seems like an orbiting moon you know that uh, you know uh, we can't ignore it uh, it affects the tides or something right but it it doesn't have that kind of direct feel impact that um all the other economic and otherwise activity that surrounds Mayweather. If you've, you guys, you just don't, you just don't get it. Like, uh, or maybe you do. I'm not. I'm going to say that. But I didn't understand how big Floyd Mayweather was. You can read all the articles you want, and you can watch all his fights, and you can hear about all the anecdotes. But when you see it in real time, like when you, when I was there for the Canelo fight, I was just like, God damn, this dude is popular. Not just like we love him popular, but um, he intrigue for many different concentric circles of of people in the sporting world and when you see that now man like to like dude for there to be buzz on a tuesday in las vegas not just buzz like an s ton of buzz i realize it's now wednesday you go it's it's absurd it's absurd you know um so i just feel like what has happened is that he is such a figure that is elevated beyond the normal uh expectations of people that you just don't even realize how big it is you just you just you, you can't imagine um you know to what extent uh oh i didn't realize this thing has shut down we're still rolling yes yeah we're rolling okay um you just can't imagine how big it is when you see it and he's so big he insulates himself from criticism in ways that people just don't have the opportunity to do uh I'm not going to go over more racist stuff. I'm I'm so done with that argument. So that's what I would say. That's what I would say. I think partly, I think partly Jones is a figure of he's complicated. I think uh, I think MMA fighters are closer to their fans than boxers are. I think Floyd Mayweather is not just the highest paid athlete in sports, but the most um, difficult to even reach. You know, he's just so separated from the rest of the world that these things serious charges and allegations by the wayside because there's the size of everything else the presence and activity is so overwhelming and i'm not saying that's a good thing obviously it's not, if i'm trying to understand what's happening here it's you can imagine how big this is like i was there for again canel alvarez i was there for 129 
you know, and you'll see how the stadium show in, in Toronto. And those were huge, man. I mean, you could feel the buzz when I got off the plane, you know. Um, this is this is just, you know, I mean, that's nothing compared to this. Uh, let's see. Does the uppercut neutralize wrestling? Is it just me or is Rumble a mere matchup for Cormier? I feel like so much of DC's game involves Lynch and I'm not sure any light heavyweight wants to be in close range fight with Rumble, so I have a hard time seeing uppercut. That's going to be the key. I think this whole thing is super interesting. Is how is DC going to pressure Rumble? Um, how is Rumble going to respond? Um, what happens if DC gets hurt? Can he recover? Um, what happens if Rumble gets taken down? Can he get back up? Um, that to me is really kind of the interesting part here. And I am unbelievably glad that it's five rounds. Can you imagine that was a three round fight? You'd be like, no chance, Lance. This has got to be five rounds. So really, really happy with what's happening there. Crazy and ironic. What's crazy and ironic about this is that on April 28th, 1967, John Jones's idol, Muhammad Ali, was also stripped of his title. And now this on the same date, April 27th. The issues are completely different, but wow, that is nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, as you mentioned, the reasons cannot possibly be more different, but that is an interesting note. Does this pretty much mean that Gutherson versus Teixeira is a number one contender bout? Well, actually, I want to read this. Let me go back one second. John Jones is the greatest light heavyweight in MMA history. The youngest UFC champion, most title defenses in UFC light heavyweight history. The list goes on. After all the former champions he had defeated and all the styles he had faced throughout his career, it's crazy to think that it was he himself who put an end to his legendary run and possibly his career. When you think about it, though, is it that crazy? I mean, I know what you're saying, obviously. Um, it had been said before many times by fighters that he was not showing his true personality and something not showing to the media. Personally, like you, those things are not much of an interest to me. But... Those claims are relevant in all of this as they were latching on to something that we never really got to see until now. From DUIs to cocaine to hit and run and ultimately to being stripped of the title, please talk with us about what you saw in him, now seeing him, and what his future may look like. And just summarize the whole situation as you know I can. Also, just leave you with this quote. Uh, this is a quote from John Jones. I was always the kid who snitched on the kid who had pot. I don't want to offend the pot smokers out there. My parents kind of... Now, we buried just, I don't even know what to say about it anymore. But I will say this. I will say this. I don't know how old you are if you're watching this. Um, and maybe this wasn't your experience. But I can tell you personally, for whatever it's worth, and maybe it doesn't mean anything to you, but I'm just speaking honestly. There is so much about my 20s that I regret. Um, the way I treated people, I, you know, I didn't go and commit any crimes or anything. You know, I'm not saying that. Uh, my, 
um, just the interpersonal reactions, you know, things I could have handled differently, work situations that uh, went badly, and uh, you know, I had my fair share of successes too. Everyone does in life, but I didn't think I finally got a grip on things. And if I do now, it's tenuous. But I didn't feel like I got a grip on things until I was about thirty. Now, I do not hold myself up to be some sort of standard of expect, expected behavior. Um, but part of the reason young men make a lot of bad choices. So I'm not here to tell you that, I mean, you know, most crimes are committed by men, most jail filled with men. Um, this is just a, this is just a fact of life. But what I would say is, um, look, we don't know what's going to happen to John. And if he doesn't take an opportunity here to uh, uh, make some serious changes about his priorities, then this moment will go back as as one where we can add it to the list of things that had contributed to what ultimately his life will become. But what I would say is, uh, if someone listed to me all the stupid things I did when I was 27, I never hit and ran a pregnant woman, so this is categorically different. All I'm trying to point out to you is, um, I wonder if by the time he's 30, he will look back and be like, oh, my God. He won't. As I mentioned before, I think the only thing I want to articulate is that the idea that he's above um, retribution is just not true. You know, he absolutely is. It's absolutely within means. Absolutely possible. It's absolutely a real thing that is that is one hundred percent attainable. Um, and the 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 you know people bringing up quotes that he said in two thousand nine. You know, was this now? He must. So if he was twenty seven then, that was six years. He's 21 then, 22 then, maybe. Um, do you know the dumbass things that people say when they're 22 and they look back when they're 32 and they're like, oh, God. like what were you thinking, you idiot? Um, so look, we're in a holding pattern on John. We're going to out what happens. And if you're unhappy with him, <laughs> you got all the right in the world to be. But let's also see what happens. Let's, let's see if you can figure this out. Um, because to me, again, like a situation where you know again in Mexico burst letting the gun go off in a, in a state that has in a city insanely restrictive gun laws um, and just showing poor judgment generally uh, it's bad enough where you know you've had now pretty serious professional consequences if that doesn't get you to change anything then you can reasonably start asking what will I don't think you could have asked that with the cocaine dentist and I don't think you could ask that with the DUI. And the reason why was because he still got to fight. And do you look at the people he beat doing whatever in God's name he was doing before? Matt Yashenko, Hua, Lyoto, uh, Daniel Cormier. I mean, the, the scalps that this dude has collected while ostensibly, you know, doing God knows what private life is incredible incredible people can live like you know monks and train 50 times harder than John and not accomplish a tenth of it right um, but you know when you've suffered the kind of professional consequences that he has suffered whether you agree with them or not and you have suffered at least in the early stages anyway some of the criminal repercussions for your and that's not enough to get some kind of meaningful change. 
I think then you could begin to ask really what will, because if this is not enough, it will take something very severe um, for him to change or something very severe that will happen to him one way or the other, which certainly no one hopes we ever get to that point. But, um, you know, you can, you can laugh it off as a fender bender, depending on your perspective, I suppose. But when you get stripped of your title and you get suspended and you're the first person they've ever had to do that for, for disciplinary reasons, whether or not you agree with it on all the other terms, just saying that act alone, something's not going right. Uh, does this make Gustafson versus Teixeira number one contender about? Kind of seems like it does. I don't know what really happens with Bader. Um, I think he's kind of floating out there in the ether, but it might. It might. Reebok. What do you make of Reebok terminating Jones's contract? Do they have anything to do with the UFC stripping him? You know, I, it's a good question because you, you want to just wonder to what extent did UFC and Reebok make their decisions in concert? Um or did UFC make there and Reebok decided to follow as a as a result? How long did he have that Reebok sponsorship? For what? A fight? A any more than that? Two? Maybe? I, you know, <laughs> it's Nike must be like, whoo! You know, glad we're not a part of this, uh, you know, problematic stage in his life. Right? It's crazy. It's it's crazy. You lost not one but two. You know you could have had. I mean, John Jones, if he had, you know, just stayed above the fray, and uh, done what he has done, um, you, you have to wonder what he couldn't have. Right? Kids, good looking, all the talent anyone in the world could ever ask for, um, can do media. And you could say it's you could say it's fake. Okay, maybe it is. You see him on uh, Regis or not Regis? Uh, Michael and Kelly. Dude's a star on there, a star. He can ham it up with anybody. He can do on Jimmy Kimmel. He can do anything. He can do anything. Um, you have to wonder, like, what he could be if all these other distractions were simply not taking away from what is the ultimate product here. It's. It's just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's truly sometimes unbelievable, man. It really, it really, I, I just don't know what else to say about it. Um, I don't think that this is the end of the story by interest imagination. I think if he could figure something out for his life and some kind of reasonable path forward, that um, he can have many things back again. But for now, what are you doing, dude? If I had a Nike sponsorship, I would name my child Nike, right? I would I would do everything possible to, you know, secure and maintain that relationship. And you could say, well, they don't want to sponsor you because you're a nobody, and you'd be right, of course. But uh, so we have different levels of priority. But you know, you lose one, okay, whatever. People lose sponsorships. You lose two. You know, I know and Adidas and, and Reebok have some shared ownership, but do you think like other companies are going to be beaten down Jones's door now to like go sponsor him? No, no. I'm not saying he's persona non grata, but he's persona non grata for right now. UFC 200. If DC wins the belt and goes on a run, would his rematch when Jones comes back be the biggest fight that can be made in MMA besides Rousey versus Cyborg? It might be. I'll say this for John. His return is going to be epic. <laughs> Right. Uh, assuming, you know, uh, he comes back within the year 
Uh, his return is going to be epic, man. It's going to be truly a sight to behold. See what he looks like, to see how he's handled everything, to see what, if anything, has changed or not. Um, that is going to be truly amazing. If they can put that on UFC 200 and then put a ridiculously good card behind it, that that will be a moment for the record books, won't it? Uh, what do you make of the UFC signing? Uh, Bill, I can't pronounce this guy's name ever. Bilal, Bill Yal, uh, Makov. Uh, do you have an issue with him signing another fighter who hasn't fought in MMA yet? Uh, Olympic bronze medalist, I believe, out of Russia. Um, you know, I'm going to sort of reserve judgment until I see more. Um, I, I tend to think that folk style works better than freestyle in MMA, but we'll see. We'll see how he looks. Someone says, can you somehow rationalize what John was thinking to effing run away from a hit and run? No, I'm not going to sit here and speculate. Again, it's all alleged. You know, he is innocent until proven guilty. Um, but if I had a friend who hit someone and then ran, <laughs> yeah, I'd be having to have a talk with him. Should DC have got the title shot? Luke, I'm looking forward to the DC Rumble match, but... I honestly think there is a case for Ryan Bader to have got the title shot due to the fact that he is on a four-fight win streak and DC just had a title fight. Thoughts? I understand your point. I think it's a fair consideration. If I was Bader, I might be, you know, doing one of these numbers. But, you know, we live in a world where money matters. We live in a world where UFC 187 had raised fan expectations to certain uh, heights. Um, even if you could make a case for Bader on a, on a meritorious grounds, it does not make the same sense promotionally. And I would also submit to you that, um, you know, I did anyone realistically believe that Bader would have beaten Cormier? That doesn't mean anything as evidence in the end, but as a reason to make a match between DC and Rumble, um, I can understand and I'm sympathetic to the logic. Stated simply, I think most people believe that Dino Cormier is vastly superior to Ryan Bader, although Ryan Bader, I think, has had a super unheralded career. And so with that consideration and given the kind of promotion, I think that Cormier is like another dream to have, you know, we put a camera in his face. You know, so all of these things, you, you're trying to preserve the integrity of event. I wrote my signal to noise column. It only came out today. You don't have to read the whole thing or any of it. But one point I made was like, here's a litmus test for a card. Did it have to exist? Did it have to exist? In other words, if you had a choice between keeping the card as it was and or cutting it up into pieces and then giving it to other cards, what would you do? And and that argument gets a little slippery because you know you could take even the greatest card, cut it up, and it would make other cards great. So it's not that. But there is an attitude, I think, in MMA where we say, okay, I like this event so much, I want nothing to happen to it. That is very different than when we look at another event we say, I don't like this event very much, but I like little pieces of it here and there. Now, even with an event that you like very much, you may not like all of the fights on there, but there's just, what happens when a card gets really great, when it's really deep, is you know the sum is greater than the, 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 the parts, right? It becomes something more. It creates an identity. They say, they say boxing has great fights, MMA has great cards. Um, and UFC 186 was one of those fights where I kind of thought you could have just cut it up, put different things different places, gotten rid of, trimmed some of the fat, and it would have been fine. And you didn't really need to have it. I'm not saying you didn't need to have a show in Canada or, or Montreal to service that market. I just mean that card. It didn't need to be there. 187 is so good 
even with Jones being gone, it's not quite as good, but it's still pretty good. You just don't want anything to happen to it. You just want to get the package from point A to point B, right? Just make sure there are no injuries. There's no PEDs or whatever. Let's just get that fight there and be done. There's a lot of that, I think. Um, so, um, so we'll see what happens, but, uh, I, I think, I think having Cormier on that card preserves kind of that feel that this is still an event I really need to see, if not just to see, um, DC and Rumble fight because I enjoy that fight, but I just want to, I want to know what's going to happen in this division. Is Anthony Johnson going to hold this title? And if so, what does that mean for John Jones? But wait a second. Is David Cormier going to hold this title? And if he does, what does that mean for John Jones? What does that mean for a return for John Jones? What is there's that to me when you win there, especially if Cormier wins, when you see that those outcomes that are possible in that main event, I, I'm assuming it's still main event or coming event, whatever it is now. Um, the, the 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 fallout from that still brings John Jones into orbit, um, and not Bader would in, to some extent, but you just don't get the same kind of interest and intrigue about what could happen. A rematch between Cormier and Jones is nuts. And a rematch, or, or rather a first fight between Jones and Rumble is nuts. A rematch between Jones and Bader, if Bader were to win? Mm. Indefinitely suspended versus being cut. When the news broke, my friend immediately asked me what I thought of Jones possibly going to Bellator. I replied that he wasn't cut, just suspended so he couldn't go away. Uh, from the UFC standpoint, what is exactly the difference between UFC cutting a fighter and suspending them indefinitely? Could the UFC just indefinitely suspend every fighter they wanted released but didn't want Bellator to have? Well, th this is the interesting part about the contract, isn't it? How do you indefinitely suspend someone who is an independent contractor? I'm not so sure you can. And I mentioned this before. If you never challenge it in court, you'll never know the answer to these questions. And maybe you can. Maybe a judge says, oh, you can definitely uh, – suspend an independent contractor. But if it's murky, it's murky for a reason. It's because we don't really have any clarification on that. By what legal authority you're allowed to do that. Um, so it's not clear. So to your point, it's a good question. I don't know. That seems like if they did that, they would be almost certainly facing themselves a lawsuit. Um, this this whole thing is interesting, not, because, not just because I think many fans find the outcome satisfying, but because it is a test of the UFC's power and what fighters are willing to tolerate. I think. So I'm not saying the UFC is in the wrong for trying to do this necessarily or that they had bad motivations or bad intentions. They acted with pretty, I, I thought, prudent but you know, heavy authority here. Um, and the question is, who wants to tolerate that? And maybe Jones does. Maybe Jones doesn't feel like, from a PR standpoint, this is anything he can challenge. He doesn't want to sit in court. I can't imagine many fighters would. But if they just started in depth suspending people that um, they didn't want to go to Bellator, I think they would be pushing the limits of what uh, they could get away with. And, and I don't think they want to have those questions adjudicated in court. I think they want to push up to the line about what's you know reasonable or less and then and then uh, let things go. But I will say I just don't understand why they have not cut Vanderlei Silva. That to me just seems fairly appalling if we're just sort of being honest about it. You can't use him. He is, for all we know, uh, unable to be booked anywhere. There's an athletic commission, right? Um, which means he could probably go to Japan, but okay. I mean, this is not some existential threat to you. And he could do Dave and Buster's promos for Bellator. You're going to stop him from doing that because you got an axe.
So there's that. Someone writes uh, about this question. It's these sorts of issues that might cause a union, might be, you know, uh, quotation marks here, to be formed. Indefinitely is an alarming choice of words to describe a suspension. But John Bones Jones hasn't even pled guilty yet, so it's proper words. If the UFC was partnering with a union, in theory, they would have a suspension policy that was overseen by an independent arbitrator. But look at the NFL to see how badly partners can work together on stuff like this. Also, it's defensible for the UFC to continue the suspension as long as felony charges are open. Good point. But stating that that puts pressure on John Bones Jones and gives the DAs a huge advantage. So there you go. Chael Sonnen, profit or lucky guess? Any thoughts on Chael predicting a while back that Jones' rumble fight would never happen? Funny you mentioned this. Um, I uh, I've been texting back and forth with him, trying to get him on the phone. I fell asleep the other night before I was supposed to call him, so that's my bad. But uh, he says he's going to tell me what he knows, and I am going to find out, and I can't wait. Good for the UFC. Can a case be made for the Jones situation? being ultimately a good thing for the UFC. They get to shake up a division lacking depth, promote a fight that is a real contest, claim the moral high ground by stripping him, increase publicity, and then get to really cash in when he comes back. Perfect description. Perfect description. Let's go through it again. Ready? Shake it up a division. Bam, we got this. Oh, my God, what's happening? We got this confusing situation. Everyone wants to know what's going on. By the way, it's all good for us, too, by the way. Traffic is... Jones versus DC. That's uh, DC versus Rumble. That's competitive. Claim the moral high ground by stripping him. Um, I think many fans would agree with that. Uh, increase publicity. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And then get to cash in when he comes back. His return fight is going to be monumental. Monumental. So whatever they're losing now in 187, probably not a ton, but a fair amount, um, they're going to get back in spades down the road. And I don't think that's necessarily part of the calculation. I don't think they're that cynical. I think they're probably just trying to protect their brand in the short run. But yes, I mean, look, like, <laughs> you know, I'm not telling Demetrius Johnson he needs to go out and do hit and runs and then run from the scene of the crime. I am not suggesting that. But I am saying if he did, it would get publicity. Right? I mean, I don't advise it under any circumstance. Uh, but I'm also not going to say no one would notice if he did because they would. One's going to ask this question, and I want to uh, read it here. Is DJ the Mayweather of MMA? No. One of the biggest praises heaped onto Floyd is his ability to make in-fight adjustments. There we go. I.e., you better hurt him early because you can't touch him late. That same could be said about Demetrius Johnson, who always gets better as the fight goes on. That is true. But someone says, just ask Dodson. Dodson is an interesting case because I agree that Demetrius Johnson made adjustments in that fight and in the Horiguchi fight um, and in the Moraga fight and, and, and in many fights, of course. Um, but the Dodson fight is different. I, I called the fight between John Dodson and Pat Runez. Runez, coincidentally, uh, is now a teammate of Demetrius Johnson, although I'm not sure if he's... I was told he was going to resurrect his MMA career, but I don't know where that stands uh, as, as I speak to you today, but neither here nor there. Pat Runez versus John Dodson is a very instructive fight because it essentially takes the same arc that Demetrius Johnson versus John Dodson does. Um, now, things were a little more dire for Pat Runez. He got dropped twice 
by Dotson in that fight. And he had to dig himself out. But Dotson has historically shown a tendency to fade. So if I was looking at evidence of Demetrius Johnson making adjustments, I would certainly still look at the Dotson fight, but I wouldn't hold it up as the ultimate example of it. Um, just because Dotson just has an ability to make, to sustain the same level of potency over the course of five rounds, independent of opponent, for, you know, uh, once we reach a certain level. You know, if you fought me, I'm sure he'd be just fine. But you know what I mean? Like, if you fight a high-ranking guy in his weight class, um, he's ultimately going to suffer by the fifth round in terms of his ability to exact offense relative to that first or second or third round. Um, so that's a that's a, that's an issue for him. 2015, the most trying year in UFC history. I believe 2015 is shaping up to be the most trying year in UFC history. Some things to keep in mind. No John Jones, George St. Pierre, or possibly Anderson Silva. Many of your champions and elite contenders have proven to be largely susceptible to injury. Velasquez, Wyden, Dos Anjos, Pettis, Nurmagomedov, Barrao, Aldo. Supposedly stricter drug testing is coming into place, possibly resulting in more positive tests and cards falling apart. It will get worse before it gets better. Luke, can you talk me back to the ledge? We're not even in May yet, and I'm afraid to look at my daily MMA news. I'm, I'm not nearly as dire as you are, which isn't to say I don't share your concerns. First of all, I think Jones will be back this year. I don't know about Silva. Um, GSP might have one more fight this year or maybe in 2016, like like literally one. But, you know, if we're talking about economic activity, I think that's there. Um, there is the injury issue, as Velasquez, Wyman, Dos Anjos, Pettis, Nurmagomedov, and Brown, Aldo have certainly had. But I think, um, knock on wood, there's certainly reasons for optimism from, for um, – you know, not every fight they have is going to fall through. There's been some issues, yes, but I don't think it's cause to say, well, they're never going to be able to get back to the ring. These guys are eventually going to fight one way or the other. And the search of drug testing, I certainly think there's going to be some nasty out fallout from that. But I think what I would say is, um, and I mentioned this before, just in terms of star power, but I think that we are, we are, I'm not, I'm not going to say in the middle, but we haven't quite finished the paradigm shift. The old center of power and star base for UFC was, was what it was. And there's a new one that's cropping up. And we've almost completely made the transition, but not quite. But part of that new transition, as you note, comes with new realities, the injury issue, what's drug testing going to do. So I don't think, to answer your question, that we have fully settled into that paradigm the way in which both the stars are made and the power is operated and and um, the sport is adjudicated. And that uncertainty creates for trepidation to what you're talking about. But I don't believe that that is a permanent state or a harbinger of doom. I believe it is merely the process working itself out. Um, so we'll see. I'm not here to tell you that there's not going to be rough times ahead. But I'm also not going to tell you that there's not going to be some epic, epic moments ahead either. I, I just don't share the same alarm, even if I think your concerns are, are well-placed. Um, will DC be a paper champion if he wins? How badly do you think the UFC wants Rumble to win this fight? It's not exactly a good look to have the guy John Jones most recently beat in relatively decisive fashion as the new champion. I get that no one will ever be seen as the real champ if they don't beat Jones, but isn't this especially true with DC? Yes and no. Yes and no. Look, as long as John Jones isn't involved in the fights, there's always going to be this thing hanging over us, uh, whoever holds the belt. Always, 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 always. 
right? There's, there's just unavoidable. But there are a couple of upsides to that. As I mentioned before, whatever rematch they have, if, if DC wins, is going to be bonkers. Bonkers, okay? That is true. Okay. To the, another point you made. Now, I, I believe that Jones won that fight fairly handily, uh, fifth round notwithstanding. But I think what DC could say is, look, people thought Rumble, and this is all assuming that DC wins, which he might not, but let's say he wins. DC could say, look, everyone thought Rumble might be that guy to beat Jones, and I beat him. So he clearly wasn't even that guy. It was just me all along. And secondly, look at the first fight. Okay, I was a little overwhelmed with the size of John Jones. I was a little overwhelmed with the reach of John Jones. But I had my moments too. Look at that second round, maybe even the third. These were moments where I really gave John Jones something he wasn't expecting. And with the right adjustments, now knowing what I have to go to, knowing what I'm facing, now holding this belt, I'm never going to let it go. I know what it takes to beat John Jones. And maybe I didn't before, but after five rounds with him, I know now. He didn't stop me. He didn't submit me. And maybe he took me down, but I know what it takes to hurt John Jones. I know what he's going to do in that cage. And I know what I need to do to make him suffer as a consequence. This is the belt I've always wanted. This is the belt I've always needed. Now I have it, and I don't care who it is, especially if it's John Jones, he's not going to take it back. That is an easy, easy, easy argument to sell, if not for his the reign of Daniel Cormier, for belief in the validity of a rematch, not by, um, well, we have to give it to Jones because he's the former champion, but by, wow, could he really prove that he's the guy to beat John Jones, especially given all the would call them um, distractions that he's faced outside the outside the cage. Yeah, yeah. I think if DC does that, it doesn't just set up a rematch. It sets up reasons to believe in a rematch, and that's a whole other level of what rematches need and require and benefit from. So, so yeah, I think it's very very different. What's with the drinking soda at the beginning of your show? Ever thought of drinking juice? Um, no. I have coffee. Oh, I ran out of coffee. I don't drink full-on soda. I drink diet soda. You all see? I'm going to care, really, but it's got Diet Mountain Dew. Um, because, um, I don't know, because I'm addicted. People are like, oh, you're addicted. Isn't that bad? I don't know. Do I care? Nope. Let's go to uh, one more, and then we'll go to the Twitter machine. Fight Pass. Hi, Luke. I have a Fight Pass and love the product, despite living in the UK, which means it's a lot less value for the money, no Fight Pass cards. UFC have hinted at Fight Pass being a big part of their business model in the future. Is it just me, or are they not doing enough to make it a product the best that it could be? I expected a couple of other non-MMA promotions uh, on there by now. Some BJJ wrestling and Muay Thai pay-per-view offers for subscribers, not to mention 24-hour streaming channel to make uh, a lean-back service. What would you make of the good changes to the product? Right now, it's just an archive. It's nothing more than an archive. Now, they're doing some interesting products that where they've got, you know, um, uh, they're trying to put, you know, um, um, interesting playlists together or, like, you know, phytographies and stuff like that. That's fine. But it's really, at its core, just an archive. Um, it's There's not, you know, even if you put, like, a fight card that's just on Fight Pass, that just feels like where you're putting it. It doesn't feel like it's original programming as such. So it doesn't have that. As you mentioned, it doesn't have anything that really like, man, I need to tune into Fight Pass other than if there's a fight going on. If there's not a fight going on, I, you know, you're not researching. 
why would you tune in? Um, there's no real reason, right, in that regard. Um, and also, I was I was thinking about like, why are there not more Muay Thai or BJJ or, or other things? I, I don't know the answer to that, except that I think people like, say, Metamoris would want to retain their autonomy. Maybe UFC wants a certain cut of the proceeds that these organizations say, well, we can just do lesser quality shows, but retain more of the profit in the process. I don't really know. I don't really know. I don't I don't know to what extent UFC has explored those op, 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 options. And frankly, I'm not sure how much I want Fight Pass to do that. You know, um, I kind of want Fight Pass. I, I, I don't want all. On the one hand, it'd be kind of awesome if you had, hey, I got one service where I can go and watch all my combat sports needs. On the other hand, do you want all that power concentrated in one medium? You know, I'm not so sure that I do. I think it would increase the value proposition, but I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to get information from the UFC about um, about Fight Pass, not because like, they have anything to hide, but because I think they're still trying to figure it out themselves, and they're still trying to make interesting content. I, I mean, they're... I, I think they're trying very hard. This is not an effort of like, or, or rather a question about effort. I just think it's a question of um, the realities about control and cost that make certain decisions prohibitive, both for the UFC and for potential uh, signings to the Fight Pass product. So let's just sort of wait and see how it goes. I think eventually it'll reach a different point, but right now it's, it is what it is. Let's see. Do you... Uh, any thoughts on Baltimore? Um, I think it could under the right circumstances. And what do I think about Baltimore? I think it is uh, incredibly tragic. Um, I give Baltimore a lot of grief as someone who lives in D.C., but uh, Baltimore actually is a pretty great place. It's unfortunate to see what it is. However, 538 had an article recently about how you know, one in four people in Baltimore live below the poverty line. One in four. The average in the U.S. is one in six. It's one in four in Baltimore. Um, wealth inequality along racial lines is incredible. Um, and uh, I guess what I would say is, if someone said, if someone made the argument to me that look, people have to riot and cause destruction because all other forms don't work. I am very sympathetic to that argument. I guess I'm also sympathetic to the argument that like that is very cold comfort for people whose lives and businesses are destroyed by vandals. Um, so I don't have a good answer for you. And I don't know what to say, except that I am heartbroken for its damages and hopeful for its future. Does the John Bone Jones situation help Bellator in any foreseeable way, or does it just hurt the sport? Neither. Uh, it hurts the sport in the short run in the sense that the UFC doesn't have an economic incentive to bench John Jones. Um, so they're taking the hit. But I don't know that it really meaningfully helps Bellator at this point in time. Maybe at the margins of some kind of consideration. But, um, you know, who knows? Will this be DC's last chance at UFC gold? It might be. If you lose to Jones, and then let's say you get knocked out by Rumble. At 35, 36, it's going to be hard to get a title shot again. Is it not in boxing's best interest for Pacquiao to beat Mayweather to set rematch and perhaps trilogy? Yes. Yes, it would be. I would love to see Pacquiao win for that reason alone, because the rematch would be epic. Epic. Uh, let's see. If Connor beats Aldo, he'll be the number one pound for pound, right? No. 
<laughs> but he'll be, you know, up on the list. Will Jones be allowed to wear a Reebok logo to the cage if and when he returns to the UFC? It's a good question. We don't have clarification on yet. Will he just be given sort of standard Reebok gear? Will he be forced to wear blank clothing? Will UFC give him UFC gear? You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do um, with respect to that. It'll be interesting now that because he doesn't have that deal that, uh, I mean, however many fights he has, that's how much his, his, uh, his, his sponsor money is going to be. You mean to tell me that's his maximum amount of sponsor money he can make? That's, that's going to be kind of funny. Um, is Rampage one fight away? No. No, he's not 100 fights away. Take Your take on the UFC signing of Waterson. She's world-class but smaller for 115. Where does she fit in the division? Yeah, I don't know, you know. She's much better suited at 105. She's not the best 105-er in the world. I don't know how she's going to look at 115. Maybe she'll have a super-duper speed advantage. I worry about the size disparity. Some of those girls cutting down to 115 are freaking big for 115, you know? There's some, there's some, there's some, uh, you know, horses down at 115. Um, but I guess, you know, look, time is of the essence. And if she wants to make the most amount of money, uh, that's probably the best place to do it. Let's see. When all when when Ali was stripped of the belt, any thoughts on the new champions were considered illegitimate? I, I'd have to research. It's not uh, uh, something I can uh, state plainly. What do you think will happen with the with the uh, New Orleans now main event? I can't think of any viable option as a replacement to face Bader. Someone was saying Jacare as like coming up with the light heavyweight. I don't know if he's interested in that. I don't. I don't think that he would be. There are at this point. I don't know what they're. Really Match, you know, he just be a wrestler. Maybe you could say this would be different a second time. I mean, whatever the case, look, they'll probably find someone to make it work, but I doubt it's going to be to anyone's satisfaction, you know. And so, look, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul, but that's the question: Would you rather keep the integrity of the Nola card, or would you rather keep, for all you know, what you can, the integrity of the UFC 187 card? I would probably submit to you that most people would want to keep the integrity of that UFC 187 event. Um, does, jo does Jones being stripped of the title open a door for him to come back as a heavyweight? Unlikely. I suspect that what he's going to want to do is recapture what was lost, not conquer new territory. This gives him new purpose, does it not? Right? He has lost his title. Now, he didn't lose it in the cage, but he lost it. It's gone. Didn't have it anymore. He's going to want that back. He's not going to say, eh, you can have it. No, I'm, or he could, of course, but it seems highly unlikely. It seems much more likely that he is going to he's going to walk back to the fire and take what he believes is rightfully his. Especially, and especially if Daniel Cormier is holding it. What are the chances of Rashad Evans getting a title shot if DC beats Anthony Rumble? Um, unlikely, but possible. Rashad is looking at a September comeback, though, or October is what he told me recently. So, let's see. Someone says, you're setting a record for usage of the word allegedly in MMA media this morning. Well, I have to. Do you think this new trend of creating drama between fighters to sell tickets is a good thing for the sport? My friend, this is hardly new. 
Uh, please tell me there's an MMA beat this week. There might be. I, oof, I, I got to figure that out, and so does Ardo. I don't know. Will this be DC's last chance at goal? We answered that one. People don't share your part in divide and conquer invented racism. They aren't cartoonish. They just don't see race like you do. Well, God bless them. Uh, is the Ray Rice situation carrying over and affecting the UFC's decision to strip John Jones of his title? That's an interesting question. I hadn't thought about that. Usually when we see infractions happen in one sort of sporting world, NBA or the NFL, we think that they're usually confined to that. But the spillover effect, it's a good question. I don't know. Someone also had floated the idea that maybe with what's happening in New York, this so close to sanctioning, they had to come out and drop the, the hammer on them too. That seems like an interesting theory as well. It's a good question. It's a good question. I don't know how cognizant MMA fans are necessarily of the effects of what happened with Ray Rice, but I'm certain that UFC brass are. This is not a time for sports organizations to appear weak on. This isn't domestic violence exactly. Obviously, it's you know uh, in some ways coincidental that this person who was hit in the car was um, a woman, but um, but just in terms of being soft on you know perceived illegality and irresponsibility, uh, it could. It's an interesting. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question. Um, rumor has it the UFC is setting up McGregor versus Dos Anjos super fight if he beats Aldo. There is no rumor to that effect that I am unbelievably. Um, someone says, I, I'm not going to read more. If you disagree with me on race, it's fine. I, it's a free country. Let's see. Someone says, yes, Jones does have to show something. He has to show he's not some loser who's endangering the public. What if that was your wife? Well, I've already spoken to it, you know, um, about, you know, what it would be like to know that someone you cared about, uh, male or female, but certainly a, a pregnant woman, uh, how that would profoundly affect you. But I think uh, what I would add to that is um, when people say that John Jones owes MMA fans something, they're totally wrong. Totally wrong. When a court says that John Jones has to show, demonstrate that not only is he innocent, uh, or if he's not innocent, if he's guilty, that he is not some sort of menace to society or a threat to the public, that is true. But you, as a fan, in your capacity as a fan, me as a media member, in my capacity as a media member, we are owed nothing. Nothing. It is not about you, and it is definitely not about me. It is about Jones, and it is about what he is for sure, court of law and sort of society generally. And that may overlap with you as a person, particularly if you're a driver on the road as an, uh, 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 an Albuquerque, but as just a, a, your identity as an MMA fan, if we can compartmentalize it for a moment, has nothing to do, nothing to do with what John Jones owes. And that's just the reality. I don't think anyone in media has a right to get there and say, you owe us this. No, you don't. No, you don't. You have to live your life the best way you see fit. And if you want to run over your own future and bring up all these negative consequences because you cannot manage yourself, that's your issue to deal with. And by the way, if you are a threat to the public, then the public generally, through its criminal justice system, will handle it appropriately. But in your capacity as a fan or a journalist, you are owed nothing. Now, maybe Reebok was because he had a contract with him. Maybe UFC because he has a contract with him. But to us, no. They owe us Jack S. Uh, let's see.
Uh, the rampage situation is really different. Someone said, you're an idiot. Any fighter could have done what he did. Reaction would be exactly the same. It would be pretty strong, but I don't think it'd be exactly the same. I really don't. Um, there's not nearly the same level of inquisition around the substance abuse issues to the extent that they exist about Nick Diaz. I don't mean for the weed, but for the uh, incidents related to his car. Uh, that's not the same as sort of hitting and running, but I wonder exactly what there would be if he had done so. Um, Jones is a lightning rod for many reasons, race being among them, but many other ones as well. But, you know, listen, if you guys just want to pretend you live in a world where, oh, race doesn't matter anymore, great, cool, enjoy your life. We, we just don't see eye to eye. Uh, okay. Let's see. One more. One more. Let's take one more. Michael Bisping's next opponent. Luke, what do you think? Who do you think Michael Bisping should face next? I personally want him to fight Lyoto Machida. Someone says Bisping versus Machida, Jacare Arlaiti's headlining UFC fight night Glasgow in July. Um, any of those I'd be fine with. Look, there's not too many guys you're going to put up against Michael Bisping and be like, oh, that sucks. I mean, there was a lot of like, like anticipation for his fight with Dalloway, and that fight was awesome, right? So Michael Bisping, like Dana White made a point after the fight, he's like, man, Michael Bisping is fun. It's true, man. Michael Bisping is fun. And sometimes, you know, the pre-fight antics are like, this is so, you know, concocted and artificial, and okay, you don't like him, that's fine. And then sometimes, you know, um, that gets in your nerves. But when he fights, man, he competes. He competes. Even when he loses, he competes. So there's just not too many times you're going to see Michael Bisping go to a fight and be like, well, you know, that sucked in the end. It's pretty rare. So I don't really, it, you know, any anyone almost feels uh, okay. Um, he'll find a way to make it competitive and interesting. Because he's got so many strengths and still so many vulnerabilities. Does he not? Gentlemen, I have, and ladies, to the extent you exist, I have to get out of here. I have to go into this Pacquiao presser. I got to go and I got to do a bunch of work. So... Uh, follow me on Twitter at SBN Luke Thomas. You may email me at Luke.Thomas at SBNation.com. Facebook.com slash Luke T Sports. There's different content all the different places. I appreciate you watching. More content coming out today from Las Vegas. We're here. I don't know what we're going to get, but we're going to get something. Until next time, stay frosty.